0: He was Mr. Basketball and a clutch shooter who broke some hearts in Bloomington, temporarily at least. Growing up in Richmond, he had the benefit of having some older cousins around to teach him the game and push him around on the basketball court. He developed into a big time scorer who averaged 33 points a game his senior season in high school. He did have his frustrations in the state tournament, bumping heads with the likes of the Marion Giants but he did wind up being voted Mr. Basketball, and he landed a scholarship to Purdue. He took a while to adjust to Big 10 basketball, but wound up a prolific score there too. And on one memorable Sunday afternoon against Indiana, he took over the game and led the Boilermakers to an upset victory that cost the Hoosiers a Big 10 championship. That was one of those nights he could feel it in the air. He's back in central Indiana now, hoping to build a business as a skills trainer and teaming up with a couple of other Mr. Basketballs who were high school and college rivals. Let's get into his story. I'm Mark Monteith, and I'm going one-on-one with Woody Austin. i your face before, my friend.
1: This is one-on-one with Mark Bonteith on 1070 The Fan. Brought to you by Georgetown Market, Indy's family-owned natural food store since 1973. Movie time video productions, they make your memories last forever.
0: All right, today's one-on-one episode comes from the Fifth Floor Studios in Miscommunications downtown on the Circle. We're here with another former Mr. Basketball Woody Austin, out of Richmond, Indiana, 1988. Purdue fans remember him fondly for a particular game against IU, as well as other games. But uh, Woody, I know you're from Richmond. Of course, were you born in Richmond?
1: Yes, born and raised in Richmond. Okay, so your parents—they are they from Richmond as well? Uh, no. Originally, uh, my dad is from Tennessee, and my mom's from Florida. What did your dad do in Richmond as you were growing up there? Why did he? And why was he in Richmond? He moved from uh, Tennessee and. Uh, he landed in Richmond and uh, got a job in construction. So, uh he does uh construction work. Uh he's retired right now, so he does uh you know in and out work around around Richmond.
0: Had he hit, were there family members up here or like why would he go from Tennessee to Richmond, Indiana? Mm. No, I guess everybody was migrating up north. Part of so, the migration. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I've talked to a lot of athletes who were whose families were part of that. I mean, Oscar Robertson was born in Tennessee. George McGinnis is from the south, and he wound up in Indianapolis because his dad found a construction job here. I mean, that story gets repeated a lot, and it really has had a huge impact on basketball in Indiana, you know, yes. the, the migration because of the
1: jobs that were available up here.
0: And I know instantly when your name comes up, people are going to ask
1: about, chad what is chad doing now chad right now resides in uh brooklyn new york and uh he works uh at the barclay center as a a it guy he's been there for uh, the last seven to eight years uh he played overseas for a good 10 to 11 years so he uh set up shop in brooklyn ah and what are you doing now uh right now I'm currently just moved back to carmel indiana Mm uh from chicago Uh, Right now, uh, I was working in the finance field, but right now I have my own company called Athletic Advantage where I'm just trying to work out players around the area and around the state.
0: Yeah, and you and Jay Edwards, Lyndon Jones, I know we're trying to get some camps going, uh, do some instructional things.
1: Yeah, we have uh, uh, camps coming up, a series of camps coming up this spring where we partner up, me, Jay, and Lyndon, and um, the name of it, we came up with was mb3 so uh we're just going to try to start a series of camps for the kids and just give our you know experience and expertise and knowledge of the game and you know off the court also too was your dad a player had your dad been an athlete no my dad played uh softball so oh yeah (laughs) so where
0: does the basketball you seem to be somebody who had just a natural talent for basketball where does this come from
1: well, it, it comes from my family. Uh, like I said, we grew up in Richmond, and on my mother's side, she had twelve sisters and three brothers. So, with that being said, I had a whole lot of cousins that were older than me. So, basically, uh, we already had uh, like two teens when we went to you know, to the boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went to the boys' club and to the playground. So, I was the kind of the youngest one. So. You know, That's I, the
0: best I, thing, isn't it? To be the youngest and really have to play hard to compete? Right. That type so of I, thing?
1: Right. So I had to take my lumps and come up through the ranks. Yeah. So yes. did
0: you? Have, were your cousins living in Richmond, too? You had a yes. lot of cousins? Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. So, oh. like I said, we had like two teams already <laughs> when we went to the court. And where were you playing? We played at the boys' club. Uh, we played at an uh, outside court uh, in Richmond called uh, Clear Creek. And – um we just played a whole lot, you know, in the backyard. We just played a whole lot of sports, football, baseball, basketball. So I took an interest in basketball. Were they tough on you, your cousins? Oh, yes, most definitely. You know, uh, like I said, I had to take, take my lumps. You know, I had to prove myself before I could play with the older kids. So yeah. I think once I turned around, it was probably like when I was eight or nine years old. Were they sending you
0: home crying, that kind of thing, at first? You're... Uh,
1: not really crying. I had a couple of little uh, injuries, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> a little scrapes. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So you played at a young age, and you're in Richmond, which is
0: great because you're in a North Central Conference school. Uh, growing up, were you going to Richmond games? Is that where you where it kind of got in your blood, and was that your goal to become a player at Richmond High School?
1: Uh, yes, it was. We went to uh, – when I was coming up, they had Civic Hall. So, uh, like I said, I had older cousins playing on uh, teams for Richmond, and uh, we used to sit up in the crowd and just, you know, watch them play. Then next day or the next week, we would imitate them as, you know, going through the layup line and just, you know, doing the little Richmond chant. Uh-huh. And just, you know, from middle school on to high school, we just, you know, visioned us playing varsity basketball yeah
0: did you have favorite players favorite teams outside of Richmond as a kid growing up were there certain teams that you followed or players that you admired the most
1: um no really I just was with Richmond high school basketball all Uh, local yeah all local you know I went to different games I remember Steve Alford I remember uh James Blackman and um Basically, it was just uh, the Richmond guys.
0: You know what? That's the best thing. You know, I, I talked to a lot of
1: guys like yourself,
0: um, who instead of thinking they're going to be an NBA player when they were eight years old, you know, it was all about being a high school player. I mean, Larry Bird told me his goal was to be the best player on his high school team growing up, and I talked to a lot of guys, you know, like Jay Edwards and and others who they just wanted to be a star of their high school team. They weren't thinking too far ahead.
1: No doubt, uh, I was the same way. I just wanted to be the best. And in Richmond, and also the state. So you know, once I started coming up and getting the knowledge of the history of uh, basketball in Indiana, it just made me more hungrier to play the game.
0: When did you start starting on the varsity team?
1: My freshman year. Oh, you
0: started as a freshman.
1: Eighty four. I didn't start. I played you played my on freshman the varsity. Year. Yes. Started so, as a sophomore. Yes. Yeah, started as a sophomore. So my freshman year, actually, we went to the state and that's when we played uh, Marion our first okay. year so i was a freshman so that 84 85 right so that was Marion's first championship that year okay so jays a year older
0: he and Lyndon are sophomores on that team yeah they was a year older okay yeah. so you you got did you play in that game as a freshman uh played at the end at the end yeah Okay. yeah y'all yeah, play at the end. Uh, <laughs> but
1: that bit. has to be a motivation just to have that experience that had to motivate you to get out and play. Yes, yes, so that made me hungry. Uh, went went back you know in the back alley, practice uh, went to camps, practice working my fundamentals, just getting prepared for you know the next three years. Yeah was Mr. Basketball a goal for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, my coach coach Griff, George Griffith. George Griffith, after my junior year, we went back to the state my junior year, played against Marion again, lost and again. lost again. <laughs> Which Jay and Lyndon don't ever let you forget. Oh no, they don't never let me forget. You know they bring it <laughs> up all the time. So you know I'm like old for eight. So <laughs> I, they, they had a little bit more firepower. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, my coach, Coach Griff, we sat down, wrote some uh, short short term goals and long term goals, and one of those goals were uh, winning Mr. Basketball. Okay. What were the other goals? Uh, other goals, uh, the individual goals, is winning of basketball, being an all-star, and uh, qualifying for uh, college.
0: You mentioned the uh, state finals appearances, but what were the highlights of your high school career? As you look back on it now, what sticks out in your memory the most?
1: Most of it would be uh, the sellout crowds, playing against you know the NCC opponents, which were ranked in a, you know, a regular season game. So basically, there's a whole lot of highlights there in my career. But the one that stood out was probably uh, my senior year against uh, Muncie Central. It's like third game of the season, I believe. And it was like we were number one and Muncie Central was number two. And you guys won? Yeah, we won that game. How overtime. many did you score that game? Uh, I believe I scored like 30. 40, something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what was your average as a senior? So it
0: was over 30, right? As your, yeah. As a senior?
1: Yeah, I average uh, 33.
0: 33 as yeah. a senior. Yes. Mm. Uh, they obviously ran the offense through you. Does that create a problem when you're an outstanding scorer like that with teammates? Were there any. Did George Griffith have to tell the guys, look, this is how we have the best chance of winning that kind of thing? Do jealousies come up or.
1: Uh, not really, because I was the leader. So. They were looking at, upon me to take control of the games. I made sure that everybody w- would, you know, get some touches in the game and just make sure they got their shots off. And it came down to crucial moments. And if we needed a bucket, they would look, look upon me and uh, I would try to score. Or, you know, if we were down and if somebody didn't want to take lead, I would take the lead and just basically try to take over the game.
0: Yeah, you felt you were a
1: good clutch player, weren't you? I mean, you wanted the ball at the end. Oh, always. Always. Uh, Basically, we uh, had good teammates. You know, they knew their role. So, you know, we went ahead and uh, won several close games. Austin is voted Mr.
0: Basketball and accepts a scholarship to Purdue when One-on-One continues. Welcome back to One on One. Mark Monteith here with Woody Austin. He was voted Mr. Basketball in 1988, winning the award over Elkhart's Sean Kemp, and then took Purdue scholarship offer. His college career got off to a rocky start, but Dad convinced him to hang in and make it work. You were Mr. Basketball 1988. Now Sean Kemp is coming out of Elkhart that same year. And, of course, he went on to become
1: an NBA All-Star. Were you at all surprised to be
0: Mr. Basketball, or did you think you were
1: going to get it? Uh, I was very surprised because we lost during the semi-state. I knew I had a good senior season. I knew he had a good senior season, too. But, uh, yeah, I was very surprised. Basically, I knew I would probably be on the All-Star team, but I never thought I would be Mr. Basketball. So I think the writers, like yourself, I think they vote for to Mr. Basketball, and one morning they told me I won Mr. Basketball.
0: Yeah, well, every coach in the state gets a vote, and then a certain group of writers who cover the high schools a lot also get a vote. But it's really, I think a lot of people don't understand, it's really a coach's vote. But a lot of coaches don't even bother to turn in a ballot, from what I've been told over the years. But if all the coaches participate, they have control of it. Uh, Now, Sean Kemp, I guess, had gotten into some trouble maybe his senior year, or I forget the details, but I think there was some
1: background there. Uh, what was the Indiana All-Star experience like? Oh, it was great. We had a good group of guys. Everybody, uh, you know, got along. And uh, basically, we we won both games against Kentucky. And um, pretty much, we I think we blew them out both games. You know, we had Kemp, uh, Chandler. Uh, Chandler Thompson. Chandler Thompson, myself. Uh, Henry Williams. It's from Ben Davis. Ben Davis. Durbin Webb. When Webb who went to Louisville, Louisville, Matt Nover. IU went to IU. Pretty good group there. Yeah.
0: First game in Louisville, you won 102 to
1: 82. You had
0: 17 points to lead Indiana's team. Uh, by the way, Kentucky's Mr. Basketball is Richie Farmer, who went to Kentucky. And in the second game, you won 112 to 100. There's not a lot of defense going oh, on. Oh no, this is all star game. You had 22 <laughs> in that game. Uh, in the second game, Sean Kemp had 31. Tell me about the recruiting process then. You go to Purdue, of course, but uh, what other schools were talking to you? Did you take any other visits, that kind of thing?
1: You know what? I just took I took two visits. I took a visit, to one to Ball State and one to Purdue. Obviously, I had uh, college coaches come into the high school. I had Tennessee and Louisville and some uh, other mid-majors. But uh, me and my coach sat down, plus sat down with my parents and uh, that Purdue would be a great opportunity for me since uh, I believe at that time Troy uh, Lewis and um, Ever Stevens and Todd Mitchell, they, they were, seniors, were leaving. They yeah. were seniors, so they were leaving. So I thought I could fit in into the two guard role. Yeah. So, it's a good time to go there because they had some openings, basically. Yes.
0: Did uh, Bob Knight show any interest
1: whatsoever? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, I think he already had his set of players. Yeah, uh, Jay and Linden was already there, and um, basically, you know, uh, he had some other guys there also too. So, no, he uh, he didn't show any interest.
0: Coming up through high school, did you have a favorite college team? Did, was there a particular college that you followed the most and kind of wanted to play for? Say when you were a sophomore, junior, that kind of thing.
1: Actually, I used to watch uh, Purdue. I remember um, Keith Edmondson. Yeah, I just like North Carolina, Louisville, and Georgetown. Okay. So,
0: now, when you go to Purdue, you were unwittingly in a little controversy because they gave you number ten, and that have been Rick Mount's number. And nobody, uh, Rick got kind of angry because he thought the number was retired and that type of thing. He got he wasn't mad at you; he was mad at Purdue.
1: But <laughs> were you aware of all that going on? Or no, I didn't know until after my playing days. And uh, Coach Katie said something about it, but I didn't know. I didn't you know try to do any disrespect. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, it, Purdue doesn't retire numbers anyways. So. Right. And I didn't actually, you know, I didn't know he wore number 10 and um basically, you know, I, I picked 10 and um if I would have known that, I would have asked him, you know, was it all right for me to wear his number. Yeah. You know, but at had, the time, I didn't know.
0: Had you worn 10 in high school?
1: Yeah, actually. I did wear 10 my freshman year. And um then as I got older, I switched over to 32. The uh. reason why, because it used to go by sizes, so 10 was a small for me when I was a freshman, yeah. so I got a little bit bigger when I was a senior, <laughs> so I had to switch to 32. Okay, why yeah. did you want 10 at Purdue then? Basically, uh, just wanted to go back to uh, my original number Okay. when I started when I was a freshman.
0: So your Purdue, your career at Purdue goes well. Uh, you were academically ineligible the second semester of your junior season when you were the team's leading scorer. Had things just kind of gotten away. I mean, had you backed off a little too much on the academic part of it, or
1: yeah, somewhat. Uh, things got out of hand. Basically, I lost a little focus, and um, there was a uh, you know a couple of classes that uh, I had missed. And um, for some reason, Purdue I was eligible by NCAA qualifications, but not by Purdue. Oh, so I had to sit out that second half of the year. Took a couple of classes and came back my, my senior year. I know
0: at the beginning, you played early. Did you ever give any thought to leaving, that thinking that, man, I used to be playing more than this or whatever? Did that ever cross your mind during your time there?
1: Yeah, it did. I had a rough time my freshman year. You know, Coach Katie was a hard-nosed coach. We were, I believe we had a losing season. Yeah, that 88-89
0: that season was tough. You didn't yeah. even reach the
1: NIT. Yeah. yeah, we had a losing season, and um, I didn't play t- – too much, so I thought about transferring. So, I sat down with my parents. Basically, my dad said to me, uh, you don't want to run away from problems. You need to be a man to stand up. So, what I did was uh, refocus, Worked hard in the summertime and was ready to go my sophomore yeah, year. Yeah, and your
0: sophomore year, the 89 90 season was a good one. You guys finished second in the Big Ten, and I believe you started, right, with Tony Jones in the backcourt. Yes. Court, yes. You guys, Scheffler was there, the Big Ten MVP that year. So that was a great season. Great season. So all, all went well. Did anybody teach you how to score? I mean, you were so great at being able to score off the dribble, which is important. A lot of guys can't really shoot off the dribble, you could do it going left or right. Is that something you just had, or did somebody actually teach that to you?
1: Actually, that was basically in the backyard of my house, playing, uh, practicing X amount of hours every day and just understanding the game, you know, watching the college game, watching the NBA games, certain players. And then I would go outside and try to uh, copy their moves, basically.
0: When you're out there doing that, by yourself? Are you imagining yourself to be a, anybody in particular?
1: Oh uh, yes, uh, all the time. I imagine being uh, George Irving, Yeah. David Thompson. Julius Irving. Yeah, those guys. Gus Williams. So you know, like you said, I had a, a imaginary friend mm-hmm. that. I thought that was guarding me. You yeah. Know, so I hear that a lot, man.
0: Even Slick Leonard back in Terre Haute in the 1930s had an imaginary friend that he'd go up against and he'd beat him every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you
0: don't lose to your imaginary yeah. friends,
1: do you? So, no, no, you don't. So <laughs> in, in, if you do, you keep on repeating until you win. <laughs>
0: Austin gets revenge on Indiana with a career highlight performance proving once again that when he had it going, he could feel the ball in the air and see it going in. Back on one on one. Mark Monteith here with former Mr. Basketball Woody Austin. The Boilermakers struggled throughout most of his senior season, but he did put on a show for the fans at Mackey Arena with his heroics in a win over Indiana, a performance that apparently rubbed off on his younger brother, Chad. Your senior year at Purdue, uh, and this is a classic moment for Purdue fans in particular, you beat Indiana. In your final Big Ten home game, it's a game that costs Indiana the Big Ten championship, it, uh, it gave it to Ohio State. Indiana was ranked fourth in the country coming into that game. They would go on to go to the final four. Uh, we're talking 1992. And Purdue, you guys went to the NIT that year. You were 16 of 14 overall, 8 and 10 in the Big Ten. But you did beat Indiana in that game at Mackey Arena. And uh, I believe you scored the last 10 points of that game for Purdue. Yeah. Going into a game like that by the by your senior year, what does the rivalry with IU mean to you? You know, how
1: big of a deal is it to you? Uh it was it, it was uh, you know great rivalry. It meant a lot. So you know it was bragging rights for the state. So I believe earlier in that season they beat us in Bloomington. I think they beat us by like forty points. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, they, they they crushed us. So basically, you know, I had a couple of friends on the team. You know, we talk about it to this day. Um, After they beat us by 40, I didn't want to shake none of the guys' hands. I went straight to the locker room. So, you know, they gave me slack about that. And this
0: is before the lines, right, like they have now. You have to line up. Back then, you had the option of just getting the hell out of there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I went straight to the, you know, locker room mad because national TV We get blown out by 40. So they gave me slack about that. So they came up to uh, Purdue. And basically, long story short, we won the game. So now I want to shake their hands and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Were
0: they there for you? Did they shake your hand?
1: Uh, They was laughing at me and everything. It's like, okay, we beat you in Indiana. Now you want to come out and shake hands. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet
0: that was a long trip home for IU. Uh, That bus ride home had to be uh, pretty difficult given Coach Knight's mood. Did they ever talk to you about that, what it was like for them after that game?
1: No, so they did a little bit. I think maybe they had a, might have had a practice that that day or night or the next day. I mean, I'm sure practice was extremely hard. Yeah, since you know a lot was on the line. Basically, uh, like I said, they went ahead and went to the final four that year. So I guess you know it's a blessing in disguise for them. You yeah. know, it paid off.
0: You know, as you're going through your career, like you knew Lyndon well, and you know you both played four years. He's one year ahead of you, but are you communicating with them during the course of the season a lot you know are you uh you know going back and forth you know as you go through the Big Ten season or do you not talk that much
1: no we didn't really have a chance to talk talk that much we talk a lot after the season but you know as far as uh trading uh skill sets or trading you know information none of that happened yeah yeah but you and Leonard are good friends now in fact
0: you went up to a game earlier this year together, right at Purdue?
1: Yes, 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 yeah. We went and, um, for the beat, IU game. Yeah, the IU game at Purdue. So Purdue jumped on him early and, uh, basically he wanted to leave around the eight minute mark. So <laughs> you wouldn't let him? Uh, I gave in a little bit. I told him, wait to the four minute mark. You may have a chance to come back. Yeah, so. <laughs> Are you both sitting behind the Purdue bench or? Uh, no. At the time, we were, uh, right in the family section. Yeah. Okay. Is that uncomfortable
0: so, for him? Are people giving him a hard time? Or,
1: oh uh, no, yeah. not really. Yeah. Not really. We, you know, we were just you know in there watching the game. Uh, you know, he got his hat pulled down low, so <laughs> maybe didn't nobody recognize him. But, and, <laughs> you
0: know. and then, what is the ride home like after a game like that between you two? What's the conversation like in the car?
1: Oh, uh, basically, you know, we just you know dissecting the game. Yeah. You know, you weren't
0: giving him a hard time all the way home.
1: No, I may throw little jabs in here and there, but uh, <laughs> we just basically, you know talk about the different players and yeah. know, different strategies, you know, the coaches could have did and what they did do. You right. Know, so. All right. Well, let's talk about that game
0: specifically. Purdue trailed 42-32. to 32, And I think you'd been struggling shooting in that game. And Coach Katie took you out for about a minute and but told you, look, you got to keep shooting. You know, we can't win without you scoring, uh, which is, uh, you know, good on him. And then uh, Matt Waddell and Matt Painter, of all people, both hit shots to get Purdue within sixth, and you come back in the game and you wind up scoring uh, ten straight points. And I think they were all like jump shots, right? You weren't getting layups. These yep. were all jumpers. Yes. What do you remember about that stretch? You know, what got you going and what do you what was going through your head while all this is happening?
1: Well, I remember during halftime I was having a bad shooting first half. So, like I said, Coach Katie told me to keep on shooting. Uh, don't worry about it. And the thoughts that went through my head was, okay, it's my senior year. Having, you know, last home game. Not doing too good. I need to turn this around in the second half. So, get back in the second half. Still was struggling a little bit. And like you said, he called a timeout, set me down for a minute, talked to me, kept my composure, came back in, and just was locked in from there. And, and it was that, just, When that first one goes down – then you're in a groove yeah yeah so you know i'm a shooter so coach katie said keep on shooting so when that first one went down i said uh basically okay let me see if i get my rhythm back and uh you know put the team on my back and see if we can get a victory who was guarding you uh i believe damon bailey was guarding me at that okay. time uh damon bailey and um what's his name reynolds chris reynolds Chris Reynolds. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, again, they have a team. You're talking Calbert Chaney, Allen
0: Henderson, Damon Bailey, Eric Anderson, Chris Reynolds, those guys. Outstanding team, so it's a great win for Purdue and kind of salvages the season. Do people still talk to you about that game? Like when you're at a Purdue game at Mackey Arena, do people still want to talk to you about that game?
1: Uh, Yeah, somewhat. Well, they'll say little comments like, we need you out there on the court. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we need you shooting. Yeah. And then I was like... Uh, Pretty much not right now. I'm a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't help him now, I could you? No, I couldn't help him at all. <laughs> and then Chad later hit game
0: winning shots against IU in both ninety six and ninety seven. So the Austin Brothers did some work against Indiana.
1: Yeah. So he yeah.
0: probably he gets reminded of that a lot too. Oh you know? yeah, he
1: he does. Actually, uh I'm I'm probably more excited than Chad was when he hit hit those shots. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much I had called it out. Because I seen him, you know, hit gang winners before, and uh, I remember to this day where I was in Chicago. I didn't go down to the game, and uh, I was watching it. And I was telling a group of friends, I said, "My brother about to hit the gang winner, right there on the wing." So uh, he let it go, and he and, and he made it. And you know, I just told the people I told you. you <laughs> know? So it was a great feeling.
0: The one I remember was were they both in Bloomington, or was one in Lafayette? The one I remember was in Bloomington. And he dribbled to his left, and it was a well guarded shot, you know, and he hit it. And you guys, and Purdue's guys went crazy. Uh, Brian Cardinal was on that team. That's the one I remember.
1: Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about when he dribbled over to the wing. Yeah. And he kind of faded back and went yeah. on that. It was a tough shot. Yeah. Really tough was. shot. It was. double OT? 10 seconds. Austin against Miller. Yes! With six tenths of a second.
0: And the long imbalance tipped over to Patterson who misses at the buzzer. And the Boilermakers on the buzzer beater by Chad Austin have swept Indiana. Six in the series have gone to the Boilermakers,
1: whose NCAA hopes are very much alive. Well, we said that Chad Austin, not having a good regulation towards the end, decided he was going to take over and take over. He did. Purdue put it in his hands, and they were the good hands. Another look at it from down low, a little off balance, but off the dribble. And as the old Herman's Herman song would go, there was kind of a hush. <laughs> All over this arena. All over the
0: Hoosiers' world tonight as they fall in overtime. 18 for Austin, 14 in the second half, and the overtime, including the game winner. But those are the moments, man. That's what makes the rivalry so great. And, of course, Indiana has their share of stories they could talk about, too, on these games. But um, What's it like on campus when Purdue beats Indiana like that? Because, in my opinion, it seemed like the game, the rivalry is probably more important to Purdue than Indiana because, you know, Indiana is the more, they have the bigger fan base. You know, right. if, if people didn't go to college, they are probably an IU fan just because it says Indiana on the jersey. So, Purdue's always the underdog. Right. What's it mean when Purdue beats Indiana? What's it like on campus?
1: Oh, on campus, it's crazy. Uh, you know, like I said, it's bragging rights. Uh, all the students, they're hyped. Uh, you know, for that night and maybe, you know, for that whole week. Basically, uh, it's a good time. It's a good feeling around the campus. Yeah, I have to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> what other Purdue games stand out of your Membrius highlights for you? Um, I liked uh, Minnesota. I liked playing in Minnesota. I liked their floor there. Like the barn. Yes, that raised uh, floor. Yes, I had good games there. Uh, I had a pretty good game in California. I hit the game winner against California. One year, and that's funny, because Conzo uh, Martin is the head coach at the University of California now. Yeah. 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 Was that so, your sophomore year? My junior year. Junior year, okay. Yeah, okay. my junior year. So those two games, uh, California and Minnesota, at Minnesota. Yeah.
0: I remember a game out. at Ohio State where you guys won. You are playing with Tony in the backcourt, and uh, I remember you hitting a big three-pointer, cutting across to the left side of the floor and hit a three-pointer over there.
1: Yeah, that my, my sophomore year. I remember that. Yeah. I think I uh, yeah. hit a lot of threes that year. That was at Ohio State, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's a pretty big game also.
0: Austin has a brief pro career in the CBA and overseas, where he teams up with the judge when one-on-one continues. Back on one-on-one, Mark Monteith here with former Purdue star Woody Austin. He was able to draw a paycheck for basketball for a while and had some adventures in the CBA and overseas. If you're old enough to remember Michigan's Antoine Jobert, imagine Austin and him teaming up in the backcourt. You were first team All-Big Ten in 1992, your senior year. You rank fourth in three-point point percentage, 44%. You get 40, 44% of your three-pointers. That tells people what a shooter you were, which is fourth in Purdue history. You got a degree. You got your degree there.
1: Did you yeah, finish up well, at Purdue? I didn't finish up at Purdue, but currently right now I'm taking a couple of classes right now. To okay. Finish up. okay. Just,
0: when it ended, when your career at Purdue ended, what was next?
1: Uh, what I did, played overseas for a couple of years. Uh, I had got drafted by the CBA actually Quad City uh played like a half a season with Quad City went back to school took a couple of classes and then I went overseas to uh Paris in France how was that it was a great great experience yeah so played over there for a year and then I played uh 2 years in Caracas, Venezuela
0: ah so you enjoy the overseas experiences
1: uh it, oh. was, it was it was an experience you know <laughs> Good money, good experience, got to play the game I, I loved, but mm-hmm. at that time, that third year, I called it quits, you know, I was getting homesick, and uh, just wanted to come back over the States. I tried to get into the, the league, the NBA, had a couple of tryouts, uh, just didn't work, you know, numbers game. And yeah. um, Who did you try out for? Actually, when I got done with Purdue, I tried out for the Pacers in the summer, and then... Um, I tried out for the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Okay. So, and it didn't go too well, and basically, that was that. And, you know, yeah. I basically uh, decided to try to go in the corporate world.
0: When you were in college, did you think of yourself as an NBA player? Did you think you had a good shot at it? Or?
1: Um, I thought I did. Uh, somewhat, I thought I was a, a, what you call it, a tweener. Yeah. So, I was, you know, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, and you as a uh, yeah, 2 Yeah, two-guard, known as a scorer and wasn't basically known as a point guard. So basically when I did go to camps and stuff like that, they had me at the point guard position, which I hadn't really played. And point guard, you know, if people don't know, I think it's the hardest position on the court. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, you know, I try to experience. And, you know, right now, today, you know, you got guys who 6'1", 6'2", that are combo guard and you can play, you know, the point and two. So mm-hmm. basically, but at that time, they wanted to be, you know, traditional point guard.
0: Yeah, it was more traditional back
1: then. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: no question. Now, when you were overseas in Venezuela or Paris, uh, were you playing kind of an off-guard position? Uh, I was playing both. Yeah, play both?
1: Yeah, I both, off and, and two. Mm-hmm. So me and some uh, other players, we would switch. Did your teams have
0: good followings over there? I mean, did, uh, well-attended games and?
1: Oh, yeah, it was pretty much – it was a good following. Yeah, yeah we had – it. well, was in a good league. How'd so. you play?
0: you feel like you played well?
1: I uh, played pretty good, you know. Yeah. Um, You know, overseas, they start off young. So, you got young players and you got older guys who's been proven veterans over there, basically grown men, 28, 30, or whatever, and just are tall, and the international game is – different than in the nba oh yeah so i had to adjust to that also with the different rules and things to that nature
0: how did it go you mentioned that tryout with the pacers a summer league team how did that go did you feel like you had a chance to make that or was that an eye-opener
1: you know what it was an eye-opener it told me what i needed to work on as far as you know being a guard mm-hmm. uh they're looking for a point guard so that was you know my first experience you know playing against NBA players so uh, basically it's a free draft camp and um, I attended it the summer of 92 and actually Jay was with me too.
0: Okay that's when he was also trying out.
1: Okay. Yeah so yeah. we were together and uh, basically they let me go I think after the camp was over and to see you know if you could come back for a veterans camp so. They told me I wasn't invited back, and uh, I went on to to the next adventure.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the CBA. Everybody I've ever talked to in the CBA has some stories. I mean, that's crazy sometimes in that minor league. What was was your experience like?
1: Well, at the time, I had got drafted Quad City. That summer, I had separated my shoulder. Ah. So I hadn't played for that month and a half, two months. So I was supposed to report – well, I reported to Quad City – that fall. So I get there, uh, we're practicing. So we're in the training room and uh, I'm getting my ankles taped. So I'm getting my ankles taped and I'm thinking by the trainer. But then we get on the court, it's the head coach. So the head coach was the slash <laughs> trainer too, <laughs> taping my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Do you remember? Do you remember who that coach was? No, I don't remember. Any- I don't remember his name.
0: So you played about half a season there. Uh, you're taking bus rides. You're staying in cheap motels. Yes, all no above. No meal money.
1: All, all above. Bus rides, uh, minivans. Any stories that stick out? Uh, not really. I'll I mean, Troy Lewis to has them. told me stories about guys
0: getting traded. Some guy got traded for a sweatsuit one time <laughs> and talked about the guys in the you know, in the huddle, cussing out the coach. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Pat Knight told me he coached a team in one of the minor leagues, and two of his players got into a fist fight during a timeout.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. You know, uh, you know, guys freezing each other out, you know, cussing each other out during timeout, and it's just crazy. So, yeah, yeah, because everybody in those leagues wants to score.
0: They feel like to get noticed, you have to score, right?
1: Right. So, basically, coming out of the college, there's no team unity. Everybody's individual trying to get up called up to the league. So yeah. you got some, you know, proven veterans that's been in the league and may drop back down. It's just a numbers game. So, yeah. you know, you got the new the rookies coming in. They trying to prove their So it's just people bumping heads with each other. Yeah. Did you play with anybody who did make it up to the league? Um, on my team was Rory Marble. Yeah, from Iowa. I well he was on the team. Tyrone Hill, he was on my team. Okay, he um, made it. Derek Strong, and uh, when I was in Caracas overseas, I played with Antoine Jobert. Oh, from Michigan. Yeah. The judge. The judge. (laughs) Was he fat over there, too? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He was healthy. He was. uh, That's the
0: one. Remember, that's the guy. Scott Skiles said, show me what you got, fat boy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the judge, he showed me a lot over there in Caracas because at one time I I was playing point. And I was just feeding him the ball. He scored sixty-two points.
0: He scored sixty-two in the game. Yeah, with you as the point guard. Yeah, that's quite a name, Woody Austin, setting up the judge for sixty-two.
1: Yeah, so he's pretty generous. He was like the Michael Jordan over there in <laughs> Caracas. Really?
0: So he was popular. Huh? Yes. Wow. Yes. I hope he returned the favor at some point.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We played you know off of each other. So yeah, he he taught me a lot about you know the pro game basically.
0: Well, you uh, you have a son Alex now. He played at Eastern Illinois. Is he? Did he transfer to Illinois? Yes, he's okay.
1: transferred to Illinois since he's in school right now. So he has to sit out one year, and right. uh, he's eligible to play next year. So he has two years remaining. Okay. Now, why did he transfer uh, uh, from Eastern Illinois? Uh, basically, um, he liked Eastern Illinois. He's having great. You know, he started. He led the freshman year. He led all the uh, freshmen in scoring in the conference, and then that second year, he played a lot. But he wanted to advance his basketball skills, mm-hmm. so to speak. That was a mid-major school. He had some friends that was in University of Illinois. So he wanted to go a step up to a major program.
0: And, of course, he played at Purdue for Eastern Illinois in November of 2013. I know there were stories written about you being at that game that had to be kind of a weird feeling to see your son playing on an opposing team in Mackey Arena.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, you know, I had different different feelings. You know, I wanted him to do well, but also at the time I wanted to see Purdue you know, get a victory also. But uh, it, it was a, a strange feeling having a son playing against Purdue. I went to Purdue. Yeah, And, you know, and uh, time just goes by so quickly.
0: You were teammates with Matt Painter. As you're playing with Matt, do you see him as a future coach? I mean, would you have thought then he was going to be a coach?
1: Yeah, yeah. Painter would uh, was always uh, sitting with the coaches, um, you know, drawing up plays. You know, we sitting in the hotel. Uh, we, you know, have conversation, you know. We used to talk about the game and, you know, game on TV, up, upcoming opponents, uh, what we should do during the game and, you know, how we could win Matt was always coaching.
0: Do you play at all now? you play pickup games, that type of thing?
1: No, unless they're going to play half court. (laughs) I I, I can play, but no, I haven't really played too much. Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, I shoot. Right now I'm teaching kids the fundamentals of the game, the shooting. So I do private lessons with kids, uh, showing them how to attack certain parts of the area of the floor, you know getting their confidence up with uh shooting just taking them through uh footwork and drills
0: now and you're you moved back here because what your wife got transferred right
1: uh yes my not really transferred she uh accepted a new position okay here in, in uh in annapolis okay you're living so. in carmel
0: and uh and she's working here always wanted to ask you have you ever met the golfer woody austin
1: no no heard I haven't about him, I assume,
0: but. <laughs> yeah yeah I heard about him but yeah I never met him because he was playing while you were at Purdue I mean you'd always hear this name Woody Austin come up <laughs> in basketball and golf
1: yeah uh, yeah I didn't find out about that till you know after college
0: got a theme question Woody that I ask everybody uh, when you are sleeping at night do you have dreams about basketball you have dreams that you're playing again or
1: you know what that's a good question no not not really. Yeah. It, the dreams I have is probably for my son, making sure he's all right, uh, you know, vision and ha- I have a vision of him, you know, hitting game winners and things to that nature. So, yeah. but not of myself basically.
0: Okay. How about when you were playing? You know, would you
1: have dreams about the game? No, 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 not really. Uh-uh. Uh only dream, you know, I I sleep with the basketball. That's about it. But you did uh, sleep with the basketball? Yeah. Yeah. In college? Yeah. So basically, you know, when I was going to b- bed, laying down in the bed, I was just shooting the ball up to the ceiling to myself, you know, Yeah. basically and just my vision of the game of who were, we were going to play that next day. Okay. So basically not any not dreams.
0: Did you do that in high school too or as a kid? Yes, uh, yes. So that goes all the way back. You were sleeping with the basketball for years,
1: huh? Yeah. So I sl- slept with the ball basically – Like I said, I laid in the bed and just shot the ball up to the ceiling, making sure, you know, the rotation was good and and, uh, getting my wrist and and arms stronger, elbows stronger. So I would do that probably like 300 times to myself while I was laying in the bed before I went to sleep. One-on-one with Woody Austin continues in a moment.
0: Now, Woody Austin's a member of the one-on-one alumni association. We've got to get former Mr. Basketballs in. And Woody went on to have a memorable career at Purdue, too. Memorable to Purdue fans and IU fans for his heroics in that final game in Mackey Arena his senior season. In case you missed it early in the conversation, Woody is a basketball instructor now. I don't know if you can teach players how to take over a game like he did or average 33 points a game as a high school senior, but he can no doubt help younger players improve their game. His company is called Athletic Advantage, and his website is athleticadvantagetraining.com. And remember, he and two other former Mr. Basketballs, Lyndon Jones and Jay Edwards, are joining forces to put on instructional camps. Their group is called MB3, the MB, of course, standing for Mr. Basketball. By the way, if you're wondering how Austin got the nickname Woody, it came from his grandmother, who thought the hair that stuck up on the back of his head as a little kid made him look like Woody Woodpecker. His real name is Charles. Now, if you missed part of this conversation or want to hear one of the other recent one-on-one episodes, head for the website at 1070thefan.com. Click on audio and click on one-on-one for the podcasts. You can reach me via email at mark at 1070thefan.com and I can be found on Facebook and Twitter too. That Twitter handle just happens to be at Mark Monteith. Join me next week when I get together with Lyndon Jones for another spine-tingling one-on-one conversation right here on FM 107.5 and 1070 The Fan.